again a very good morning and welcome to Jubilee, particularly if you're a visitor with us this morning. It's great to have you with us. I'm, my name's Steve Whittington and I help lead the church here. I also have the privilege of serving our wider region beyond a family of churches and uh, it was great. Last Monday I was at a national consultation on church planting in central London and it was so encouraging to hear what God is doing right across our nation, uh, particularly with the vision that many of the now the Church of England are having in terms of planting, revitalising churches. It was great also to hear what God is doing with the Salvation Army in terms of beginning to uh, plant churches with fresh expression, reaching out with the gospel. There was people from the Elim, Pentecostal and others. And just a joy to be and to hear what God is doing right across our nation and the plans that he has for us. And then I returned again uh, on Wednesday to London for a couple of days to be with our Regions Beyond uh, European team. And again, just exciting to hear what God is doing in the Regions Beyond churches in the UK, but also to hear about our recent conference we had in Mexico, uh, where we've now got four churches uh, who are really part of our church family and really have a vision to plant further churches right across uh, Mexico. And also to hear of our church in Adelaide, uh, Australia, uh, where just wasn't that long ago we sent a couple out to Australia with a little team, um, and now that church uh, now fully part of our church family. So God is on the move in the UK and in the nations. And then on Thursday night, I came back um, to do some training with some leaders uh, in Newcastle as we talked about what it is to be a church that has social action at its heart. Now in London, our Regions Beyond team, we gather in a place called Biggin Hill. So there's Biggin Hill there. Actually, why don't you guys just start coming up? I'm going to introduce you in a minute. And it was a joy uh, to have lunch and breakfast prepared by Jordan, who also served us well on the worship today. These guys are from Biggin Hill. And Jordan and his wife, Becca, are visiting Hull and staying with Dan and Rach uh, this weekend. And uh, let's give them a better w- welcome now. That's probably welcome. Fantastic. I thought, well, well now, you, now you're here, you know, we're going to, if you could help serve tea and coffee at the end as well, yeah, okay. you know, maybe clean up, that would be great. <laughs> um, but guys, just tell us a bit about, first of all, how did you meet? Um, we met at New Day um, about, yeah, New Day's great. What um, is New Day? Okay, so New Day is uh, a festival for uh, children and teenagers from uh, ages 11 to 19, uh, and it's about 7,000 teenagers and children descend on Norfolk showground. It's a time of prayer and teaching and worship. Uh, and okay, prayer, teaching and worship, but at some point... Yeah, well, we met, but that, the, that, nothing really happened when we met right. um, there. I was actually living in the States at the time, uh, and I came over to visit for yeah. a few weeks, and we met, and it was only a meeting as in... I recognise that you're Becca and she recognised that I was Jordan. Uh, And then in that process of that week, uh, God spoke to me and uh, asked me or told me to move back to England. Um, And it so happened that I was moving back to the same church Becca was in. Uh, And then, as they say, the the rest is history. Wow. So that was four years ago. Uh, You got married. And tell us a bit about the Biggin Hill Church. You've been part of that church for a while. So I've been part of Biggin Hill all my life since. Oh, I, was I love born. a southern accent, don't you? <laughs> yeah, 
Come um, yeah. So, yeah, since I was born, my parents have taken me along to New Life, Biggin Hill, all my life. Whereas, Jordan, you joined when you moved back um, eight about eight, eight years ago now. Okay. Um, and... You've recently made quite a big step, but we've come to that. But tell us what your career is. What, what's your... So I'm a, a midwife. I've been a midwife for four years now. Um, and I'm working in Medway, which is a, a kind of a region in Kent. Um, a bit of a poorer region than the rest of the Kent is. And you've made a decision recently, both of you together, in terms of what you want to do to serve God. Can you tell me a bit about that? Because I... So um, over the past... I think for me, it's probably over the past year, God's just been speaking to me personally about um, leading people around me, to the small people that I have entrusted to me, um, our, our house group, just leading them. And at the hub in January, he spoke... So that's our leaders, regions beyond leaders meeting together, yeah? Yeah, he spoke a little bit more specifically um, to me about wanting the both of us to um, step out more um, into leadership and... Um, and so at the moment, what we're, we're now doing is we're the leadership interns at, at Biggin Hill New right. Life, and we're learning more about what it is to be involved in leadership. So that means for you, you've given up a day of work to so serve yeah, so the I church? Yes, I was doing five days of midwifery a week, and I've now dropped it to four so that every Friday I can be volunteering at the church. And what sort of things are you involved in? So a few little different things. I've been tasked with setting up our church for Fusion this year, which is quite Yeah, we're going job. Fusion camping. Yes, great. Um, and then other little bits and bobs across the church that I'm getting involved in as well. So Jordan, tell us what you're doing, what you're involved in. Yeah, so I, um, past eight years, uh, since I was 18, since I moved back, all I've done is work in uh, insurance, car insurance, travel insurance, uh, that sort of thing. Um, but when uh, Becca alluded to it, when God spoke to us back in January, um, he spoke quite clearly that we were to be uh, a couple that comes on at the church and is trained in leadership um, to, with a view of looking to uh, one day plant. Um, and God spoke quite clearly to uh, our leader, Simon, um, and it turned out that uh, God was saying that he wanted me to come on full-time at New Life. So I'm full-time at New Life. I do things from serving uh, our European team lunch and breakfast um, to I'm preaching next Sunday on Jonah. Um, so it's, it's really a, it's sort of really encapsulates all of what leadership is from, from serving to, to preaching. It's all, uh, it's all part of uh, leadership as, as Jesus did, servant leadership. So. Fantastic. That's great that these guys have given two years to, to be trained. Uh, sacrificially give up a bit of finance as well, but also then to be sent. And we know where we want to pray for them to be sent to, don't we? <laughs> Certainly the north of the UK. But uh, why don't we just stand up for a moment? Why don't we just stretch our hands? Let's just pray for this couple. We, Father, we want to thank you for Jordan and Becca, Lord. We thank you for all that you've already spoken to them, all that you're already doing in their lives. And we just want to pray Lord, for a fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit and all that doing. Lord, may they see your provision. May they see their gifting grow, their impact increase. And Lord, that you would speak to them, draw them to where you're calling them next, Lord. We just want to pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, guys. Let's give them a round of applause. Thank you so much. Well, this morning, uh, we're going to continue in uh, Genesis. Genesis is the first book of the Bible. We've been going over a series the last few weeks. We had a break uh, last week as Dave Bell from our Regions Beyond Church in Orpington came and preached to us. And we're going to be looking at the beginning of a few chap uh, verses in chapter 
12. So if you've got a Bible, you can find that, but the words will appear on the screen behind me. Well, we've been going, as I said, for the last few weeks, uh, looking at the book of Genesis, and we started, of course, in chapter 1, and we saw that God is the creator, the wonderful, powerful God who spoke the world into being. Incredible, reminding us that he is the Lord of all. He's the one that when he speaks, things happen. And yet he chose to create mankind, us, to be made in his image, in the image of God, to be his representation on the earth. And we saw on the seventh day, God rested. The importance of rest it wasn't because he was tired. He was going, setting a pattern for us to demonstrate his plan for us. That we're not to keep exerting, but we need space to rest. Then we looked at what it meant also to work, that before the curse, before sin came into the world, that it was a godly thing to work, to tend the garden, to look after the earth, to pick the fruit they had not grown and enjoy the food that had not been cultivated. And an incredible picture of the joy of being able to work. But then, of course, we saw sin coming into the world as Adam and Eve chose to disobey God. And as a result of that, they're pushed out of the garden. And as we see that, the destruction of sin begins to affect every area of our life, including our relationships. It brings division. And we saw the story of Cain and Abel and murder happening in families. And looked at the importance of a godly family, not just a family unit of mum and dad, but whether you're single or married or a child or different sexuality, coming together, being found in the image of God, enjoying one another. And then as we moved on, we then saw God, saw the earth and saw the, the horrible stuff that was happening. And had to call a flood upon the earth, but used a man called Noah who had an ark. And they came onto the ark and there was salvation in the ark. And then he said to Noah to go and be multiply, go and be fruitful. And yet God, even after that, said that the still man's heart was disobedient. Although in Noah he found somebody who had favour with God and was obedient, still there was sin, there was destruction. And after the flood, God sees his previous diagnosis of the evil state of the heart of man, and it remains true. But he still commissions them to go and multiply. In Genesis 10, then we looked at how humanity becomes divided into different nations after the flood. But then we see them coming back together to try and build this tower of Babel, trying to build a tower of their own doing, which contrasted with God's picture. You want to fill the earth. Instead, they came together themselves. But then he achieved his purposes by scattering them throughout the earth. And then we come now to chapter 12. Let's read these verses. It says, The Lord said to Abraham, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. 
just want to ask us some questions this morning. The first question is this, is are you surprised? See, God calls this man called Abraham, or later on we know him as Abraham. God does something that only God could have thought of. God sees an older, elderly, childless couple in Babel. An ordinary man, he was a shepherd, he was a husband that was trying to live a life pleasing to God, but then God speaks to him, says, one day I want to do something special with you. I want to make a promise, a covenant with you. And that's what Genesis 12 is all about. God introduces himself to Abraham and then makes him a promise. I want you to leave your home, your family, your kinfolk and go to a land I will show you. And I'll make you into a great nation. I'll bless you. Make your name great. Make you a blessing for others. He decides to make Abraham the launch plan. The pad, the launch pad of his mission to save the world. Really? (laughs) A man who couldn't even have kids? Does that surprise you? Is this God's answer again, this person? Is this the beginning of God's answer to the evil in human hearts, to the conflict of nations, the brokenness of his creation? This is the beginning of God's mission and the mission of God's people. Isn't it incredible? See, with the call of Abraham and Sarah, God begins a pattern, a way of acting like we see throughout the Bible. You know, it's really good news that God doesn't choose perfect people. He doesn't pick the most powerful to fulfill his mission. God uses imperfect, weak people, ordinary people like you and me. Are you surprised that God wants to call you and use you? Turn to your neighbour and say, you're quite a surprise. Why did you turn to that one? Turn to the neighbour on the other side and tell them that. There's quite a surprise that God would call us even to be here today. To call us to be used by him. When we read later of Moses, who became an extraordinary leader. He wasn't like that from the beginning. He was a murderer. He was a refugee. He was scared. It says he was slow of speech and of tongue. Then we look at David. He wasn't Samuel's first choice among the brothers, but he was God's choice. The prophets weren't perfect either. They had issues. They had broken marriages, anger issues. They got depressed. And then they come to the 12 disciples that Jesus chose. Sons of thunder. One of the two of the disciples were called. Somebody, Judas, who ended up betraying him. A crazy band, some rough fishermen. These and other examples from the Bible, and we know that in our own lives, the truth of what it says in 2 Corinthians 4, 7 and 12, 9, it says this. God, it says, we have this treasure in jars of clay. We're like jars of clay to show that his all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. My grace is sufficient for you, for your power is made perfect in weakness. We're like clay. We can be easily broken. And we are easily broken, are we not? And yet God chooses to put his spirit in us. He causes his grace to come to us. 
to be used us. It's his power at work in us. And like Abraham, the people of the Bible believed. They obeyed, they left, and they went. The disciples left their nets to follow Jesus. Abraham left his land to go on. Moses heard the call of God and took the people of God, the promised people, into the land he was calling them to be in, walk into. They did it imperfectly. They were inconsistent. Aren't we like that sometimes as well? But God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary, unbelievable things. And God uses us, does he not? As we reach out, as we try and wrap some presents imperfectly. By the way, it's not just wrapping presents. Come and make some coffee, hot chocolate. We're going to reach out to our community the next couple of weeks. And then in that, God will use us, even as we simply hand out a hot chocolate to share something of the love of God with somebody. As God uses us in our workplace, our universities, our places of education, in the street, God uses imperfect things. I'm so speech. I don't really know much. I've just become a Christian. I don't really know anything. I'm still struggling with my addiction. Do you know God still uses us? God still works on us, even when we make mistakes. Wherever you live, work, wherever you hang out, God is using you and wants to use you to be a blessing. So keep staying close to Jesus, hearing his voice, because he will use you to speak and to act. Abraham's story is part of our story. Because in Christ and in Abraham, we are the people of God. So what does this mean for who we are and what we're here for? It talks about this blessing. You will be a blessing. So what is a blessing? My second question. First, we understand what does blessing mean? Blessing is more than just material, physical, or even spiritual blessings. Blessing is the central theme of Abraham's calling. The Hebrew root of blessing is repeated five times in this verse. Blessing, 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 blessing. Well, blessing is creational. In Genesis 1, blessing involved fruitfulness, multiplication, abundance, and fullness. It means enjoying rest within creation. All these are experienced in a close relationship with God. There is a desire for the nations. Blessing is physical. It's both health and provision. But it's also relational. Blessing happens when we live in a faithful relationship with God. We live with faith and love, joy, peace, hope, confidence. And when we live this life with God, God blesses us. And do you know what? As an incredible thing happens, as God blesses us and that blessing flows to others, to the people around us. And that's seen again and again as we read the story of God woven through the Bible. We see all over the Bible on people's lives the fingerprints of God working in our lives. You know, there's the fingerprints of God are upon each of our lives, his forgiveness and his grace. It shows that God is active. He's moving history and the, his mission forward to the final blessing. God will fulfill his promises. He will bring about blessing for all nations through this guy called Abraham and the people that came from him. And this is the promise that drives forward the mission of God's people. 
Blessing, therefore, is missional. It drives us forward. Those who are blessed are called to be a blessing for others. See, verse 2 is actually a command. Be a blessing. You know, you can, the best blessing you can be to your friend that you've been getting to know is invite them to the Alpha course in January. Invite them. You may be surprised how God will use you to share with them, even if they don't come, just to open up the next step of invite. Or they may come. And as we've seen again on every course, people coming to know Jesus. It's exciting, isn't it? It's such a joy to see salvation coming to North Hull as we work in our community up there. What a blessing that God is using us as a blessing. Suzella, I've heard lots about you. God is using you as a blessing, isn't he? Dear old Suzella, dear old me, dear old Nikki, Irene, whoever else I can see with my glasses on, we're all God chooses to use us to be a blessing. God chooses and calls us to bless all the nations. That's God's mission. And the vision of this mission is for everyone to be a blessing. God keeps saying it. From one nation will become one man. From Abraham will come, as we see the genealogy, the person of Jesus. And it's through him and in him will come one people, his church. And through the church and through what God is doing through his people, he will bring blessing to the nations. One man, one nation is chosen and called, one nation to bless them all. And God's mission is a theme that we keep reading throughout the Bible. From the book of Genesis at the beginning to the end book, the book of Revelation. This is what it says in Revelation 5. And it says this, this is the future. And they sang a new song saying, You are worthy, that's Jesus, to take the scroll and open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God and they will reign on the earth. Revelation 7, 9. And this I looked. And there before me was a great multitude that no one could count. From every nation, tribe, people and language, standing before the throne of God and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. From every nation, tribe. It's wonderful. I met a sister from South Korea today. First time at church. Let's welcome her. It's wonderful to have you with us. Isn't it wonderful that God is working in South Korea? God is working in all the nations that are among us. But there are many more nations to touch and reach with the gospel. Revelation 21-22, speak of the nations, cleansed of all their sin and evil. They bring splendor, glory and honour into the city of God. And at the beginning of the book of Genesis, remember we saw the tree that ultimately brought death and destruction as Adam and Eve ate of the fruit. At the end of the book of Revelation, it talks about a tree of life that will be the healing of the nations. Those that have been sick since the beginning of Genesis 3, when we see the fall, the blessing of Abraham will bring all nations who believe in him into the peace 
the shalom of Jesus, the redeemer, the saviour, the healer of all nations. N.T. Wright, who's a theologian, he says it like this. Imagine at that time when it is all finished, God turning to Abraham and saying, there you are, I kept my promise, all nations. I said it and all nations it is. Mission accomplished. Because this good news, this family of nations that Abraham is promised, one day every tribe and tongue will respond to the person of Jesus. There will be salvation throughout the earth. So who are we? Who are we? We believe in Jesus. He is the Messiah of Israel. He's the saviour of the world. And God kept his promise to Abraham through Jesus Christ, who we've again been reminded of as we've worshipped, as we remember talking about Jesus coming from heaven to earth as a baby. Through the person of Jesus Christ, God provided the way by which people of all nations can now enter into the blessing of being made right with God. Through Jesus, we can experience the blessing of living in right relationship with God. Through faith in Jesus, we became part of the people of Abraham. Some of us who are at Sunday school remember a song, Father Abraham had many, many sons. So we have got some people who've been Christians a long time, but at least went to Sunday school. But we are sons. We are part of the promise. We are the sons of Abraham. Maybe one day we ought to do that song. You have to do sort of left leg, right leg, turn around. Some of you remember those. If you don't know what I'm talking about, look it up on YouTube. Father Abraham had many sons, all right? It's a crazy song. It just goes on forever. And I'm sure the right leg and all the actions didn't make any sense. Anyway. But we are sons of Abraham, Abraham being our father. Galatians 3.28 says this, So in Jesus Christ, you are all children of God through faith. It's through faith. Abraham was a man of faith. Even in the Old Testament, before Jesus, a person of faith. Now in Christ, we're people of faith. All of you who are baptised into Christ have clothed yourself now with Christ. Now there is neither Jew nor Gentile. There's no separation with the Jewish, the the God's chosen people and the Gentile. They now become one, one new man in Christ. There's neither slave nor free, nor there is male and female, for you are one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. We're descendants of Abraham as God has promised. Romans 4 says this, Therefore the promise comes by faith, so it is that it may be by grace and may be by guarantee to all Abraham's offspring, not only to those who are of the law, but also who have the faith of Abraham. He's the father of it all. As it is written, I've made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God in whom he believes, the God who gives life to the death and calls into being things that were not. God is a God who calls things into being that are not. There's Abraham, called to be a father of the nations. And we read the story of barren wife. And from it, suddenly, not just physical children, but now here, spiritual children. God is a God who is able to call things that aren't into being. 
As we're reminded this morning by through a prophetic word, some of us have God has spoken to us promises. God has said things about us. God has promised a way through, but we're still holding on. And it might seem like there's nothing that can be done, but God is a God who calls things out of nothing. He's a God who's able to fulfill his promises. Thousands of years later, here we are, Abraham's family, the family that is increasing throughout the earth. We're part of that blessing. And we're his church, and now a multinational community includes every believer in Jesus. The church is the people chosen and called in Abraham to be his people. See, the beginning of the church doesn't go back to the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit was poured out. It goes back to Abraham. And as children of Abraham, we've received the blessing. And now we are the means of passing that blessing on to the nations. So my final question. Therefore, what are we here for? Galatians 3, verse 8 says, Scripture foreseed that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed before you. See, here's Abraham. Wasn't even a Jew, a pagan. But yet now, we, as he was, have been justified by faith, and all nations will be blessed through you. Genesis 12 says, Go be a blessing. All the nations will be blessed through you. As I've said, that is the beginning of God's mission and of the Great Commission. And of course, Jesus says to his own disciples and therefore says to us, Go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. God calls us individually, He lifts us out of the pit. He puts us on a rock of foundation and then calls us then to go into all the world to be ones who will bless others. And we have a mission. Like Paul the Apostle, one of the first followers of Jesus that planted churches all over the region. It said, Paul says this in Romans 1. He says he was to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name above all the nations. Why do we in Jubilee Church go on about the nations all the time? Shouldn't we just be talking about Hull, because that's where we live? You know, the trajectory of the Bible is always about the nations. It's always beyond where we are now. Yes, we are called to reach Hull with the gospel. And God is beginning to do that, and we need to see more outbreak. But it's always about the more. It's about the unreached people groups of the world, the ones who still need to hear the gospel. That's why we're part of a worldwide mission. That's why we're part of regions beyond. It's not just to attend a fusion camp every couple of years, not to just hear other people going on about it. It's because God is capturing us up in world mission. And thank you for those who've helped us in that. We raised over £5,000 at our offering to give to regions beyond. So thank you. As we're sending that finance, it's wonderful. I got a, a, a picture of Gareth and um, Paul Simpson, part of our family of churches in South Africa. They're currently in Malawi, serving our church in Malawi. And thinking, thank you, God. Malawi is going to be touched more and more with the gospel as we're training leadership, as we're looking to see more and more planted churches and 
response and support of the poor throughout Malawi. Who'd have thought in Phil and Debbie's heart and Suzanne Hastings' heart in Malawi that now (laughs) we've got a church beginning to grow and emerge to see a model of church there in Zumba village in the poorest of the poor that's going to affect the nations. Not just Malawi, but the nations of the world. That's what you're a part of. That's what I'm a part of. We are part of the blessing to the nations. And like God spoke to Abraham, it's by leaving and going, by believing and obeying. It's about leaving and going. See, there's a radical departure. A radical new start is required. See, Jesus says you can't pour new wine into old wineskins. There needs to be something new. When we believe and follow Jesus, something radical happens within us. We become new creations. The old has gone, the new has come. We become new creations, kingdom citizens. We must leave and go out from the world. There's a leaving behind of the old and there's a pressing into the new. We must leave the things that we've worshipped before, our idols behind We must abandon worldviews that are not biblical. What is holding us back? What idols sometimes do we still hold on to? We leave them behind as we follow God. And then we, of course, go back into the world. If we make disciples of all nations, we have to go where people are. That doesn't mean all of us will go overseas, although many of us will. You know, the joy of living in our city is that we can rub shoulders with the world. We can rub shoulders in this church. We have the privilege to have asylum seekers in our city, refugees, migrants, people being called to Hull from around the world that God is drawing them. And we can be a blessing to them. Are you a blessing to them? Are you supporting, loving people, standing with them? Or saying, oh, they're not like us. Oh, they're not from Hull. God wants us to be a blessing to our Polish, to our Latvians, to our Eastern Europeans. From the nations, God wants us to be a blessing. It's about believing and obeying as I finish. Abraham is our model of faith and obedience. God told him to leave three things, his own country, his own family, and his own security of his father's house. That is tough. And God sometimes calls us to do tough things, you know. For some of us, the tough thing is to get out of your house midweek and go to a small group. When you don't really feel like it, think, oh, I'm not really sure. But that's the first step as we community, as we built up together in one of our growth groups. That might be the beginning of something. But for some of us, he's calling us to more than that. I know for Joe and I, when we, we've moved twice now, we've left our home twice for the sake of the gospel for the sake of the nations being changed. That's why, when I look across, that's why I always filled with joy. Because the sacrifice was worth it, because I see people still getting saved in this city, because Joe and I said, we're going to hear God, and we're going to plant a church in Hull. As Josh and Jen and a team go up to North Hull, we're going to see it again and again as we continue to reach out to see this gospel come. There is sacrifice. There is pain. Some of us will have the pain of friends going. We've already done it once in East Hull. It's painful. Tell you what, get over it. Because there's going to be more pain and more separation. But it's for the sake of the gospel. 
What are you sacrificing? Is it just about friendship? Sometimes we've got to leave our land and our family. Jesus said, leave the dead to bury the dead. Come and follow me. If you're still upset, still in fear about church planting, then come before God. Repent. Say, God, help me to be filled with joy. And God might even send you and somebody be upset that you're going. Go. The Bible says, go and make disciples of all nations. It is a cost, but it's a calling. We're called like Abraham to have saving faith and like Abraham to demonstrate costly obedience. How are we going to be a blessing? We're going to make disciples of all peoples. We're going to share the good news. We're going to plant new churches. We're going to go beyond. We're going to create and develop more community. We're going to walk in obedience to what God has called us to do. We're going to continue to be salt and light wherever God has placed us. We will live as God's people. And at the heart of living in God's way is receiving his love. That is how we're going to bless the nations. We love them. We love people that are different from us. We respond with humility. We learn from the nations. We have patience. We have gentleness. We have kindness. We have mercy. We rejoice and we are glad that we are blessed and we are blessed to be a blessing. Believing, obeying and living the great command is how we bless others. Will you love? Will you go? Will you be a blessing to the nations? Let's stand together with the band like to come up.